Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're talking about the grace of God this week, Colin, and we're finding that it's so wonderful, it's almost difficult to put it into words. We're reading what Paul had to say, and he was another one who was lavish with his language, because I guess language just cannot contain the excitement that we feel about the grace of God. We looked yesterday at uh, some of what Paul was teaching the Ephesians about this grace. Now, the church in Ephesus is a very interesting church. It was probably the most theologically aware church. I mean, I, Paul couldn't have written this kind of epistle to people that hadn't been well taught and didn't have good understanding of the truth. It just wouldn't have made any sense to them. And interestingly, um, when the Spirit of God in the book of Revelation is writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor, the first letter is written to the church in Ephesus. And let me just read what um, God says about this church. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested, those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And that's a good church. For God to be able to say that about a church, that's a good church. He then says, but I hold this against you, you've forsaken your first love. That when all this lived in you first, you saw so much and were moving so much in the things of God, you've lost your edge somewhere. But basically, it was a, it was a very good church. Now, why is that? I believe it's because what Paul, partly anyway, what Paul prayed for them. And if we go to the letter to Ephesians chapter 3, we find that Paul prays this in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, remember he's already given us all those glorious riches in Christ, that's what we've been seeing these last few days, that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, in your spirit. Why? Because in your spirit as a Christian, he's praying for Christians, he's praying for church members, he's not praying for the world, people that belong to the world, he is praying for Christians here. He's saying, I pray that you may be strengthened with his spirit in your inner being out of all those glorious riches of Christ that he's put within you, you will be strengthened. He's talking about what was in them. You'll see this as we go on. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, this is what it's all about. Christ in you by faith, that you believe that you have received what God has given you. You believe all the inheritance that you have in Christ. You believe what God has put into you by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, 
When you were born again, what did God give you? He gave you the fullness. What's Paul praying then? That from that fullness there will be grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. That your life will be filled. Every day your life will be filled. Your prayer will be filled. Your relationships will be filled. Your work will be filled. Your prayer will be filled. Your worship will be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, you see, what this teaches us, Julia, is that God expects, and Paul expects, therefore, that that full measure of the fullness of God will be in us and will be manifested in our lives. And then he concludes his prayer with this great, what is called doxology, this great ascription of praise. Now to him who is able to do more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Now, what is his power that is at work within us? It's Christ in us. It's the Holy Spirit in us. It's the fullness of life that we lack nothing. We lack nothing good. God has given us all that he has to give to us. So he says to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Because you see, the church is to be the body of people that are living what I'm talking about. They're the people filled with the fullness of God. That when they come together on a Sunday, they don't come together for a service. They come together to share in the life of God's fullness that they have together. They come to see more and more of the grace of God being released into their lives so that then they can go out into the world and make a difference that from their lives individually and from the life of, of, of the church corporately, the rivers of living water will be flowing. And, and so Paul is saying, well, God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to his power that's already in us. It isn't that the power is out there in heaven somewhere. The power is already in us. Because Jesus said, you will receive power. What power? God's power. And you see, you can't separate the gift from the giver. Sometimes you say, you hear people say, well, we should concentrate on the giver, not the gift. You can't separate them. If you have the giver, you have the gift. You see, if you have Christ, you have the gift of his life. If you have the righteous one, you have his righteousness. If you have his whole... Him as the Holy One, you have His holiness. If you have the healer, you have the healing within you. If you have the Almighty One, you have the power there within you. If you have He who is our joy, you have the joy there within you. He is our peace, the Scripture says. So you have the peace there within you. Whatever He is, you have within you. Because the gift isn't a thing from God. He is the gift. He is the giver and He is the gift all in one. Isn't it wonderful? And Paul says that this will carry on throughout all generations forever and ever. So it wasn't Mm. just for those early Christians. It is for us today. Absolutely. And it's for the church until Jesus comes back. Yes. Every generation is for today. It can't have been just for this initial generation. It wasn't that one generation lived in Christ and, and successive generations didn't. No, no. Because, you see, what... Jesus reveals what Paul reveals, what the other gospel, uh, what the New Testament um, uh, 
writers reveal, is that to all who believe, God has given us. You see, Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said, he who believes my words and him who sent me has eternal life. Now, what's eternal life? Eternal life is not your human life going on forever and ever. Praise God. But your, your eternal life is God's life. It's the fullness of life. It's Christ's life. So he says, when you believe, you have what? You have the fullness of God's life in you. You have eternal life. So he says, you will not be condemned because you've already passed from death. What's death? Death is trying to live and even trying to serve God with your human life. That's death. But life is having God's life and serving God with God's life. Because actually there's nothing we can do with him, for him, to serve him with our life. Because our life is just the flesh. And Jesus says in the flesh it dwells nothing good. But God has given us his life. And there's nothing bad in his life. There's nothing good in your life, according to Jesus. And there's nothing bad in his life. So the sensible thing is to serve God with his life. So by his grace, God has put his life, the fullness of his life in us. So that it doesn't matter what the nature of our ministry, we can serve him, we can see him glorified by bearing much fruit in our lives because he's given us the wherewithal to do whatever it is he asks of us as his children. Do you find it amazing, Colin, that God has entrusted us in the way that he has by giving us this life, his life? Well, I would never have done it. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of anybody else. I mean, it, you, you, you would... God must be totally secure, wasn't he, in himself. <laughs> I mean, God's not threatened by anybody. And it, it, it's like, you know, the father in the parable giving the inheritance to the prodigal son, even knowing what he would do with that inheritance, he'd go off and waste it. But still he gave it. And, you know, when we begin our life as Christians, God knows the end from the beginning. He can see what we're going to do with his life. He's going to see the compromise. He's going to see the ways in which we will still go on trusting in ourselves and not him, the way we will cry out to him and complain because he hasn't done this and he hasn't done that and he hasn't given us this and he hasn't given that. And all the time he's already done it and already given it all to us. And he, he knows all this is going to happen. But the great thing is, Julia, is, is that he knows that by the Holy Spirit we can come into the revelation, the glorious revelation of what he has given, of what he has done, of the grace of God that is already there within our lives. And as we come to that, so he knows something of his life is going to be manifested in us. And this is the amazing thing of God. He's actually happy for the something. Of course, he wants more and more and more and more of his life. He wants to transform us from one degree of glory to another so that more of that life will be manifested. But you see, if there's going to be more of his life, hmm, there's got to be less of us. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 